Oh shit. Um guys, can you still hear me? Yes, I can still hear yeah. you. Yeah. Okay, I've just got a pop-up come up that tells me I need to either turn on Windows Defender or renew my antivirus and it's uh, I can't get away from it. I literally can't get away from it. Um, you see, this, this this is what makes us the most professional podcast in internet land. Absolutely. Apparently my PC has been my PC's been unprotected for 174 days and it's telling you now. Now. Yeah. Do I, Simon, do I turn on Windows Defender? Uh Windows Defender isn't terrible. Okay, cool. I didn't know whether it was an actual thing or not, and whether. Oh my god. Okay, I think I'm back. Okay, you you never went away, as far as we could tell. Okay, cool. I I felt like I did. It's now telling me to uninstall conflicting <coughs> anti malware apps. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't ask you to do any of these things. I love that it's chosen this moment to get involved in your life. <laughs> Are you the kind that basically installs one until it expires and then goes off and finds a free one but doesn't uninstall the one that you had previously? Uh, I, as far as I know, I'm just the sort of person that doesn't un- that doesn't install antivirus stuff. Oh, oh. You know, a schlub. Yeah, that would explain why you have Windows Defender, I guess, because that comes with it? I guess. Yeah, yeah. that does come with Windows. Yeah, yeah. I'm, just, I'm just very, 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 very careful about the sort of websites I go and see. You're... I try and limit myself to a le- I try and limit myself to a maximum of 100 virus size virus a day. <laughs> That's good. It's, it's good to have a limit. It is yeah. good. You know, you don't want to. You don't want to. Once, once you reach it, once you reach it, you've got to sort of have the willpower to stop and say, "Okay, that's it." I only only that dodgy site for tomorrow. Only trusted porn sites from here on in. Absolutely. I mean, they're not quite as fun, but you know. Mm. Okay, I are we ready to begin? Because we actually seem to have it working as well as we can expect to. I think we might as well, <laughs> whilst we can. I suppose we better get on with it. That is the World 1 Stage 1 way. Okay, then, before anything else goes wrong... Hello and welcome to World 1 Stage 1. I'm Simon and joining me as ever are Jack. Hello. Rob. Watcher. And Irish. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> Irish is using his ladies voice. Joining, joining us from a joining verse from an early 90s sitcom. <laughs> so it's been quite a long time since we recorded. A better time. How long has it been? A really long time. I'm not sure. Did anyone check to see? Okay, let me. Do you want me to go and check to see how long it's been since we were last about? Go on. About nine months. Uh, so I'm definitely not going to ask. Has anyone been to the cinema? Because I'm pretty fucking certain the answer is yes, given the amount of time. Nah. We've been away. <laughs> Afraid not. <laughs> nah. Nah. <laughs> so our last episode for just going by SoundCloud. Our last episode came out seven months ago. That's not bad. It's not the longest hiatus we've ever taken. My goodness, no, but I mean, that's that's quite sad when you think about it. <laughs> it is a little bit, isn't it? Like shit, man. Like the last when we last recorded, you know, Brexit was still up in the air. Oh, oh god, god. 
Oh, sorry. Did I just? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. No. No. Not. Not a topic. Not, not a topic. To Moving on. No. Not. To sorry. Stop. When I. When. Okay. Okay. When. 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 I, when. Bleh, when we last recorded, like we'd only lost what three celebrities. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Oh, grim. So, I think Prince was still alive. Oh. Do you know when our first episode was? Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it was at least ten years ago. It is coming up to ten years ago. It was in two thousand and seven. Yeah, I thought you were going to spring it on us, Simon. That it was like ten years today, and you had this whole thing planned, and it was just going to erupt into celebration. And is that what you've got planned? No, it was oh. not ten years today. That's a shame. But it, it's nearly 10 years, and here we are doing episode 100, which means we've averaged just about 10 episodes a year, which is shortly under one month. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I've, you know what? I've, seen, I've seen podcasts do worse than that. I, so have I, actually. Yeah. I mean, and they haven't lasted as long. It's very easy to last this long when you take, like, years off at a time. I don't know. I mean... You say you say it's easy to the last this long. I mean, come on. There's four of us, and like over a period of time, the chances of one of us having a terrible accident and exploding like eventually become one. You say that, but we have gone through a few hosts. That is true. Sort of, we can cut in here. Just I don't know, some kind of requiem for a dream music as we as we collage in all our sort of those who have gone before us. In fact, we seem to have lost a host whilst we're talking. Are you still there, Irish? <laughs> Yeah, he's gone. This is a uh, this is an announcement just to say we have lost another host. Um, so the 2017 celebrity deaths have begun. Oh, no. oh my goodness! I don't believe it. He's gone. Let us now remember Irish as he was, not what he was. Sleeping. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> Boundly sleeping. Oh. Not a care in the world. I return to the most professional podcast on the internet. Sorry, I'm just trying to deal with the fact that we've lost one of our hosts to the, the Ethernet. The the Ether. I wanted to yeah. say the Ether of the internet and ended up saying Ethernet, which is a different thing. Oh, which is incorrect, Simon. And it's also very different, it's also very different <laughs> from the Ethernet. The Ethernet yeah. solely belongs to a man named Ethan. Ethan Hawke, specifically. Ethan Hawke is a lovely man, so I hear. Really? Yeah, I hear. Oh, it's really nice. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. I hadn't heard that, but I approve. Yeah, I'm, I always like to oh, well, hear no, when I... a celebrity is a nice person. It could it could be wrong. I mean, my sources aren't, you know... Let me just wiki Ethan Hawke and see the, uh, see the uh, what's it called, the section about, you know, whether or not they were a douchebag. <laughs> is that actually a section on Wikipedia now? Absolutely. Douchebag history. Uh, <laughs> oh, he doesn't. He doesn't. Uh, personal life. Debauch okay, history. He, he has a section on his personal life labelled labeled philanthropy. So that's probably a good sign, right? That's usually a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. Irish, are you with us? I am, but very far away. Very far away. Ah, Irish ah. is on the horizon. He's on the edge of the waterfall. He is approaching. He's getting closer. I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Are you okay? Am I here now? <laughs> wrong kind of podcast. The best kind of podcast. I don't know if they make that kind of podcast. No, there's, a, there's an audio uh, stimulus? Does that... No. I mean, no. They almost certainly do, but I don't think you can find them on iTunes. <laughs> Wait, holy shit. Ethan Hawke was in The Purge? Why was Ethan Hawke in The Purge? I don't know. Surely he's allowed to, he's allowed to pick his roles. <laughs> 
Maybe they just offered him money. Yeah, I mean, lots and lots of money. That is true. Money is pretty awesome. Wasn't the first one M. Night Shyamalanon? What, The Purge? No. The director? No, James Sandin. Who am I... Oh, okay. No, that's just the name of the character he played. I just... Uh, it was uh, James DeMonico. <laughs> I swear that M. Night Shyamalanon did, uh, did a film similar. No, no, it's where everyone dropped dead, wasn't it? What he did, but I can't remember what it was called. Who you may you, you may also remember him as the guy that wrote the film Jack with uh, Robin Williams being a, a kid who is old. Yeah, I, I remember that film. Yeah, yeah, yep. You you are extraordinarily quiet there, Irish. Uh, it's like I, we're sharing a podcast with the Borrowers. Uh, <laughs> that, that's a dated reference. The Borrowers and their pet cow, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like with the Borrowers. <laughs> Do you know what I watched over the weekend? What? What did you watch? What did you watch over the weekend, Simon? Which weekend, Simon? There have been, like, 30 of them since we were last recorded. The, the most recent weekend oh, okay. is the one I'm referring cool. to. Cool. Uh, what? what did you see? The, the WWE held a tournament for a brand new UK championship in oh, Blackpool. A friend of mine went to that. Yes! Front, oh my goodness. Front and centre of the poster was my, my good friend Mandrews. Yeah, Mandrews was there. Yeah. Uh, it was really, really good. I, I have heard the same thing from other people. It was one of the best things they've put out in a very long time. Uh, it was great. It was a lot of talent from different promotions in the UK. And I I just love how the same and yet different British wrestling is to American. Yeah. It's... Like, we're aping the style, so a lot of the in-ring stuff is very similar, but the characters you get in British wrestling are very different. Oh, yes, I will always remember in uh, TNA's British Bootcamp seeing the, uh, the, the the tag team of the fabulous Bakewell brothers. Where they're like, <laughs> okay, they sound they, amazing. Oh, my God, they, they, so they wore luchador masks that, that just looked terrible and, and wore chef's outfits with big chef hats, and they were just like, they were so very, very northern. They were just like... We'll team up, we'll come in, fight your match, and then we'll paint your fence for a fiver. <laughs> I like them. I like them already. And, and the audiences are very different in this country as well. I mean, they're a, I think they're a bit more like a, a New York crowd in that they will mercilessly rip the shit out of people. Oh, God, yes. So, some of my standout characters from the lineup were... I, I loved Wolfgang, a.k.a. Wolfie. Right. He's... Amazing. Imagine a heavily tattooed, long-haired, 250-odd-pound Glaswegian bartender. Okay, you, yeah, this is most of my Tinder profile, got it. Yep. <laughs> do a Swanton bomb possibly better than Jeff Hardy ever did. Nice. That's pretty impressive, because he was quite that's, good at those. Yeah, that's a scary amount of man to be doing a Swanton off the top turnbuckle. <laughs> Did you go also, and see this, Simon? Sorry, was no, this? No, no, I, I just watched it on TV. Oh, okay. I didn't get tickets because I didn't expect it to be this good. No, fair enough. Um, there was also uh, both members of a British tag team called Mustache Mountain. Uh, okay. Oh, they're just gentlemen with very fine mustaches. Uh, Trent Seven is is sort of your big light heavyweight guy, um, and I, he was good. But his tag partner, who is a kid he trained, is the 19-year-old Tyler Bate. And he basically comes to the ring like an Edwardian prize fighter. <laughs> He's in very plain blue trunks, red That's stocking, and, and just gives 
gentle waves to the crowd with a big smile on his face. <laughs> Amazing. And he, his his fists is is named his fists uh, Bam and Bop. <laughs> And he has this thing where he raises his right fist right up in the air and the opponent looks up at it and then he just slugs them in the face with his left hand. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. And uses the airplane spin and, and just very, very... So very charismatic that the entire crowd were behind him immediately in his first match. And he went on to win. <laughs> The 19-year-old kid won the whole tournament. And I'm pretty sure that he was not originally booked to win. My theory is that they looked at the reaction to him on that first night and went... Because it was over two nights. Yeah. So they looked at his first match and the reaction to it and went, Okay, I've had an idea. That, um... Yeah. Well, that's good. I think it's good when, like, I mean, I don't know too much about wrestling, but surely that's what it's all about, gauging the reaction of the audience. I mean, it is, oh, yeah. in a sense, performance art, isn't it? So you're just reacting to your audience's feedback, really. I think that's I mean, awesome. And he, and he got the crowd on his side immediately. And yeah. You, you, you would amazing. think so, but this is still, it is still WWE. It is, it is the, still the realm of, of Vinnie Mac. It's the realm of, you don't like what you like. Well, no, this was the realm of Triple H and um, uh, William Regal. Oh. This was their brainchild. Okay. And um, you know, some other characters worth noting were Pete Dunne, who was the other finalist, who he has the most punchable face in wrestling. <laughs> That's saying something. And he, he's very much like, you know, the school bully. He's, he's yeah. from Birmingham. He's got that slightly pockmarked face. He's got that shit-eating grin. Brock Lesnar. <laughs> and uh, school bully from the dandy, as Zoe puts yeah. it. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, <laughs> after the first night of the tournament, he just jumps on one of the other guys and beats the shit out of him. And William Regal just backs him up into a corner and he's got this little, what did I do, smile on his face. Uh, so he's somewhere between a, a dandy uh, bully and Casa from Nightwatch, the Discworld novel. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That was his character. And he was so good at it. Like, I hate him. Because, I mean, I meant to. And it works. It fucking works. I hate the guy. <laughs> uh, so he was a fantastic heel. And overall, the night was just extremely good. Just really good matches, really well put together. They managed to tell a story in a tournament, which is hard to do. Mm. And some of the best wrestling I've seen in ages. And one of the best crowds. Which is always, that awesome. makes or breaks an event. There, there were basically a couple of chants that stood out for me that you probably wouldn't hear in an American show. There was one guy, for example, whose trunks featured a almost life-size print of his own face on the back. Oh, like um, Josh Matthews used to have. Yes, yeah. yes. Leading to the entirety of the Empire Ballroom or the Empress Ballroom crowd in unison singing, He's got his own face on his ass. He's got his own <laughs> face on his ass. And that was beautiful. Yep. Uh, and then there was Jesus. Like how everyone makes a character in, in a creator wrestler game. Basically. I mean, he wasn't trying to be Jesus. He just had that look. So after he lost, because they had appreciated the work he'd done, the entire crowd were chanting, Thank you, Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> Which was 
pretty good. Uh, I wonder if anyone could actually get away with that and actually do like the whole thing. Well, I mean, um, Luke. What, do it as Jesus? Yeah. But, I mean, that wasn't even the best of the Jesus chants. Like, cause Luke, uh-huh. I'm building up. Because Luke Galloway was always called uh, Scottish Jesus, wasn't he? Yeah. Yes. And uh, Seth Rollins has been going by CrossFit Jesus recently. <laughs> <laughs> um, but are you familiar with Bailey, the women's wrestler in the WWE? Yes. The name actually rings a bell, but I, I don't know she, who she's, she's exactly she's a hugger. And the um, the Hey Bailey chants. No. No. Riffing, riffing off the classic song, it's just Hey Bailey, ooh, ah, I want to know, will you be my girl? Okay. And yeah, yeah, yeah. so out comes Jesus. Hey Jesus, ooh, ah, I want to know, will you be my God? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. It'll roll off the tongue, but it, it, it it's appreciated. <laughs> it, it got a laugh. It was a no. It was a really good night, and a lot of Americans were quite confused by what they were watching. I yeah. think. Oh, that's excellent, and that's that's a funny thing. I mean, for me, the the best British chant will always be the signature one, which is after something very bizarre happens uh, in any given plot line. Just the the, the usual clapping. Uh, for the, you know, this is awesome, but it's just this is awkward. <laughs> That's good. That's a good one. Uh, one of the ones at the Empress Ballroom was "This is wrestling, British wrestling," Ooh. which is quite a nice chant. That's good. Yeah. Is this is this like a, a regular thing now, then, Simon, or was it just like a one-off? Or well, uh, the rumor is that everyone there is under contract, and we're going to get a weekly UK show. Oh, that's really cool. Yep. Uh, I'm well up for that because everyone on there was brilliant. There's a lot more talent. Um, oh yes, Definitely. one more chant. Uh, Jordan Devlin is uh, Finn Balor's protege, trained by him, Ooh. and has copied his look exactly. <laughs> same hair, same beard, same jacket. So he's he's the, the demon. No, 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 not the demon, oh, okay. but his regular look. Gotcha. Oh right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which led to the unfortunate chance of your shit, Bala. Oh. <laughs> However, this was all taken in quite good stride because Sunday morning, Progress Wrestling, which is like where Jordan does a lot of his work, uh, were visited by Finn Balor because he was in the country for the tournament. Mm. Oh. And as he came out, the Progress crowd chanted at him, your shit, Devlin. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's genius. Which he seemed to quite enjoy. He then went on to play a game of musical chairs because he was injured, so he can't wrestle, but he did want to compete. So he can't wrestle, but he can play musical chairs. What the yes. hell? <laughs> it was five, It was a five-man musical chair game, and he came third. So I thought you were going to call it like a, a musical steel chairs game or something, you know? Just no, they were plastic. A straight-up <laughs> game of musical chairs. That's a hilarious image. British indie wrestling can't afford steel chairs. We have plastic ones. <laughs> yeah, we have got us plastic garden furniture. If this does indeed become a recurring thing, then we may need to start a sub podcast. <laughs> I think we might. Just, just I sort of want to do that anyway, just because there's so much good wrestling on at the moment. Yeah, just like we can have a British wrestling podcast. It seems like a smart move, considering, like you say, Simon, there is a lot of talent over here. Like so. They, they might as well just use it, rent a venue every now and then. Done. Yeah, yeah good stuff. Excellent. Speaking of which... Ooh. We have a podcast, right? 
We do have something we of do. that. Type. Are we going... Before you go into this, I'm like, do we want to pause the recording and see if we can get Irish back? Because yeah. it's been a while. Yeah. Can we actually pause it, Simon? Uh, I think I can stop recording and start a new session. Yeah. That should work, or, I hope. Or we can play some, like, you know, uh, technical difficulties music. And we're back, and hopefully all four of us. And this is really interesting, because you, listening to this right now, know more than I do about how well that first bit of the show went. For me, it's an adventure yet to be had, and for you, you all know how it ends. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Irish exists. I do. He does! Woo! Just in case this is the first you've heard from him in this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, good. So, Simon watched wrestling. Jack, what have you been watching? Or playing, or doing. Or doing, or, yeah. Give us a little catch-up of what you've been up to in the last seven months. What's Jack been doing in seven months? Go. Nothing, apparently. I'm just fucking with you. Um... What has Jack been doing in the last couple of months? Uh, I've I've went and watched some films. I went across to the states and I watched a film over there. Um, Get out of your way. It, it is a, it's a quite a long way to go to watch a movie, but you know what? I would probably travel as far to go watch Kubo again. So, oh, nice. Yeah, Kubo I, and the Two Strings. I just want to jump in at this point and say that watching two days of wrestling is not all I've done in seven months. I just don't want to give the no, impression no, 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 no. that my life is that empty. <laughs> <laughs> no, I too late. That Simon, I thought it's, that was hilarious. It's too late. It's canon now. <laughs> he powered down for for like seven months. Yeah, um, I've honestly not done all that much. I've just been playing shit tons of Overwatch. Yeah, me too. Oh, yeah. 200 and something hours I calculated it the other day. Yeah. That's exactly that's just what you've been doing. That's it. I own it. I haven't played it yet. I uh I played it for um there was a weekend where it was like you can try it, you know. And I gave it a go. I'm okay at Overwatch, but uh, I haven't got it yet. I think I will at some point because all of my friends have it. Um good luck. Well, you say that all your friends have it, but this is the depressing part. Jack, what platform do you own it on? PlayStation 4. Irish, what platform do you own it on? Xbox. And I own it on PC. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I have an Xbox, so I guess me and Irish can play. <laughs> uh, I was gonna you put, guys can play on your own. I was going to make this a Sophie's Choice thing for you, just like which of your friends is the most important. Well, I could play on PC too, I guess. PC, it's Windows 10 though, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, so we can actually play together. Because whenever you're playing it, it comes up on my Xbox. Right, Terra is playing Overwatch. Oh, awesome. But that doesn't mean we can play together, it just means we get the notifications. Yeah. Oh, really? That's a bit odd then. But if you can, that means that literally you can all play Overwatch together except me. You literally can't play console against PC because it's completely different server code. The ah, okay. console version has a lot more aim assist, for example. Ah, okay. Um, and the aim, um, the spread on the firing is different. Yeah. So it would be completely unfair to pit them against each other. Fair enough. <laughs> it sounds like a fair match for me. A man can dream. But yeah, Overwatch is... I've done a lot of that in the last seven months. Oh yeah, I've done at least eight months worth in the last seven months of Overwatch. To the point that there, <laughs> there are people who I team up with fairly regularly, and one of them recently just looked at my career profile for the first time and was just like, How many fucking hours on D.Va? 
Not enough. <laughs> It's approaching 90 in quick play, um, and almost 100% of my competitive time has been as D.Va. Yeah. I started playing competitive mode recently. Yeah. Have you got a ranking? Uh, not yet. I've not been playing it that much. I, uh, I, I, I've literally played like four matches. I remember the first time I played it, it was actually Round Jacks. Uh, um, Alex has it, I think. Um, and I was like, I'm going to play as Reaper. And it went okay. And when I did the de- like the weekend, the free weekend thing, I played as Reaper then, and it was okay. If I play anyone else, then I am um, I'm worthless. I can only play as him, and I don't know why. Oh, don't worry. There are other characters that require no skill as well. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Zing. That's that's actually really unfair because I can't play Reaper. He's- yeah, no, it's completely unfair. The other day, um, I I witnessed a Reaper on the other team get a sextuple kill and kill the entire team in one ult. Wow, nice. Wow. And I had to acknowledge that guy knew what the fuck they were doing. Yep. Was it with his power, or just, like, individually taking them out? Yes, with one ult. Ultimate. The, the, uh, the sort of death blossom. Oh, I see. Oh, I didn't know that was the word. <laughs> yes, uh, basic, and oh, it was so annoying on the replay as well, because I could tell that it was actually my fault. Because <laughs> I was playing D.Va, and twice already that match, I had just used D.Va's defense matrix to completely absorb Reaper's ult and, you know, deny him any kills at all. Right, yeah. yep. So you could see him, he was behind us, and none of us had noticed him. And he was sort of hovering, coming in, backing off, coming in, backing off. And then I used my ultimate, firing my mech towards the uh, bulk of the enemy team, leaving us defenseless, and then he just rushed in and killed us all. Nice. Uh, so he's pretty good sometimes. Speaking of ults and D.Va, this uh, Overwatch got a lot of uh, comparisons to TF2, I remember, early on. Yeah. And it definitely feels that same way in the same way I don't think I've raged as hard at other human beings <laughs> as I have done since TF2. It is frustrating. It is a frustrating game, I'll give you that. In a moment in the in the, the last game I played, as Junkrat, with a with a Reinhardt in front of me with his big ass shield up, mm-hmm. and a diva comes trotting along and starts to self-destruct. Uh, right. Reinhardt oh, you're fine, you've got a Reinhardt. He just absolutely. stands there with his shield yeah, facing the mech please. and you're all fine. Exactly. Reinhardt stands there with his shield facing the mech for about a second. Then <laughs> turns to the right and rocket skids away, <laughs> right, leaving me there to take the entire explosion <laughs> right on the chin. I'm like, <laughs> I'm just screaming, going, "You are a tank! You have a shield! <laughs> what are you doing?" Was it was a oh bum situation? <laughs> it's just like, why would you do that? It was funny. It is. I tell you what, the frustrating thing is for me is that I mean, because I'm obviously a novice when it comes to Overwatch. That's fine. Yeah, me um, too. But I, I find that the the thing that really gets me is when you die, which is a lot when you're new at the game. Um, <laughs> you end up going back to the beginning quite a lot, and it takes ages to get to the action sometimes. Well, that's less of a problem now because they've buffed Symmetra massively and she's the character who can place a teleporter, so your team is almost guaranteed to have a Symmetra these days. Oh, okay, that's cool. Well, fair enough. I tend to play a lot of Torbjorn. Yeah. I'm trying to resist making another no-skill character comment, but uh, no, Torbjorn's Ah. really good. (laughs) Well, to be fair, the turret does a lot of the work. Mm. And I literally can't talk shit about anyone's choice of characters because I mean Junkrat, so... (laughs) 
I, 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 uh, cruise control. I would play as Torbjorn or Roadhog. Uh, but they've nerfed Roadhog, haven't they? Or they're going to recently? No, it's not a nerf if you fix a bug. <laughs> <laughs> you try bug? telling that to the entirety of South Korea. <laughs> <laughs> what was the bug? Oh, basically it's his hook. Um, right. Roadhog, for people who don't uh, know the game, has a hook that he throws out and it grabs a character and pulls them towards him where he can do massive up-close damage. Now, currently, that hook will connect if you were in the line of sight of the hook when it was fired, regardless of where you now are. Oh, wow. Pull you through walls, it will do all sorts of physics-bending shit to (laughs) hook you when you absolutely should not be possible. That's amazing. Um, Can they fix that? Yes, they're now doing it so that if you break line of sight, whilst the hook's flying out towards you, it will... Uh, cancel the hook shot, uh, which is much better because the number of times I've been pulled through a wall in utter bullshit situations is very annoying. (laughs) There's one thing, and it really really got to me. It was that weekend when I was playing it. Like I basically played it for the full weekend. Really enjoyed it. Um, But on Hollywood, the map Hollywood, uh, there is a place, and I can't remember the character's name, but essentially he can become a turret. That's Bastion. Bastion. Yeah, Bastion. Bastion was sat on the top of this elevator thing, right, where no one could really get to him, and he would just become a turret through a bottleneck where you had to go through, and literally no one could kill him, and he was just there the whole time. And then we went back to that. This is the thing about Bastion, is if you don't know how to play against Bastion, he's almost impossible to kill, but he's actually one of the easiest characters to kill. Because he's stationary. Yes. Yeah. All you need is a diva or a Reinhardt. Um, oh, there you go. Because <laughs> they can both shield you from uh, the return fire. Yeah. And then any DPS character stood with those people can take him down incredibly quickly. Uh, and there's a lot of DPS to choose from. I did manage to deflect some of his bullets when I was the dude with the sword. Genji. I was going to say the other way is just to use Genji. Yeah. Uh, and have Bastion kill himself. That was cool. I managed that, and I was really proud of myself. I think there was... I don't know if there was an award for that now, I can't remember. But it was good fun. It felt good. It, was, it wasn't play of the game, then? No, I don't think it was. No, sadly. Ooh. I got one play of the game, and that was when I was uh, Reaper. I was uncommonly good with Reaper by the end, but... Did you, did you record it? Huh? Did you DVR it? Oh, yeah, I did record it, actually, I think. Yeah, I, I might be able to upload it somewhere. I don't know where, though. Uh, my favourite play of the game that I've had is on YouTube, uh, and it's a quintuple kill with D.Va, which nice. is on Temple of Anubis, point A. I've watched your video, yes. Yep, it's uh, the whole team, the whole enemy team is down on the point pretty much, and I see Mercy just swooping in towards the point, and I think, there's a res coming. So I just plant my mech in the middle and detonate it. Nice. And yeah, sure enough, Mercy reses the whole team. They can't move because you're completely stationary as you're resurrected. And as soon as they become active, my mech goes off and kills them all. <laughs> See, that's the most annoying thing that I've come across was those exploding mechs. Um, also, the girl that freezes you, that was... that was May? May is literally Satan. <laughs> <laughs> She is horrible, I hate her. She is literally Satan. I kept shouting to her, get an eye test, then I realised I too wear glasses, so, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But but still. Over the holidays, there was a Winter Wonderland um, update for Overwatch with lots of Christmas-themed stuff. 
and the special game mode was Maze Snowball Frenzy or Snowball Assault or something. Mm. And it was six teams of May versus six teams of May, and her gun was replaced with a snowball launcher. Oh. And the snowballs were one-shot kill. What? Yes, you had to reload them by finding piles of snow around the map, so it oh, wasn't cool. completely insane. But No, that's cool. I... And and some of the things she would say whilst picking up the snow was incredibly adorable, like, pat, pat, pat. And some of it was, I'm going to put a rock in this one. <laughs> because she is literally Satan. And yeah, it, it, it started off being very cute, but there's just that moment when you're the last remaining May on your team, and she's the last remaining May on her team, and you just hear this, I'm going to find you. You just hear that voice <laughs> echoing down the hall, just, I'll find you. Mm. And they've now given them New Year's resolutions, so randomly when you spawn, the characters might say a New Year's resolution. And Maze is, New Year's resolution? Hmm. I could work on controlling my temper. (laughs) (laughs) She is literally Satan. Yeah, she is disturbing and really frustrating when you get frozen by her. Like, oh Oh, yeah. So and it happens far too many times. Too many times. The, the worst are the ones who have the sorry voice line. So <laughs> she'll freeze you, stand in front of you, go, sorry, 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 and then headshot you. <laughs> I oh, hate well, those gets, people. That gets my respect <laughs> in, a, in a sick way. It, it's kind of like it's kind of like how Alex plays uh, Anna, where he will uh, use his Halloween emote after knocking someone out with the tranquilizer dart. So he'll just tranquilize someone, and then while they're asleep, just throw candy on their comatose body and run away. Huh. Like I must admit, I'm kind of bad for that as well, as Diva. If I fire a mech into the group, kill all of them, and then mount up, I'll just go, Is this easy mode? Oh. <laughs> Gotta get in their heads. It's all about the psychological warfare, you see. But it is, that is, that's, I think that is a valid point because, as I was saying, it is frustrating. And when you get frustrated, you make mistakes. Like, and it just gets worse. Um, yeah, good job. Good job. You're like Arnie. But yeah, oh god, Overwatch is, it's the best pure arena shooter I've played. Yeah, no, I can finish the sentence there. Yep. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say it is very. It's very inventive. It's very refreshing. Like the cast of characters. I mean, Blizzard are always good with characters. I think, and yeah, like I, I think it's a really, it's a really entertaining way to spend your time gaming. You know, yeah. I mean, reason- uh, and the backstories and stuff is really cool as well. I mean, we probably probably don't have enough time to go into all of them, but there are some really neat backstories there too. And the thing is, we don't need to go into them because if you're at all curious about the uh, the backstories of the cowboy with the robot arm, the yeah. ninja in a cyborg body, the Korean pro gamer who was press ganged into military service, or <laughs> the robot monk. weightlifter who decided to become a national hero and join the army to fight robots, the robot monk who's arguing for robot rights, all of these characters, uh, the comics and the short videos are on YouTube. There are oh the god, website. the comics. They're, they're free. You know, you don't have to own the game to get into the backstory. Mm. So go look it up, because some of it's really cool. And it's Blizzard. So it's, you know, it's one of the reasons I'm not exactly panicking about rushing to play it, because it isn't going to go anywhere. No, probably not. Yeah? Yeah. And to me, it's Blizzard kind of should mean the opposite. I'm not a big fan of Diablo. I'm not a big fan of Heroes of the Storm or Hearthstone or mm. World of Warcraft. But this is just spot on. Yeah. Yeah, I can get that. 
Yeah, they had um, they had some really good marketing. In fairness, like they released their first, I think it was their first video. I could be wrong, but it's the one where it's the gorilla scientist. I can't remember his name. Uh, Winston. Winston, that's it. And he's like in his laboratory, and then Reaper comes along with his sort of like henchman or whatever. And there's just like this epic fight, and you find out all about Overwatch. You get the whole backstory of it, and well, also that, this that, cool yeah. display at the same time. That was yeah, the that, first that, that Yeah, yeah, it was really good. I mean, their anyway, first, like you said, you could, that can all be watched online, but it, yeah, check it out, definitely. Yeah, because their first video was the um, attack on the museum. Oh, yeah. We've seen Doomfist's gauntlet. Terry Crews for Doomfist! I'm, I, I, could, I could roll with that. Uh, so could Terry Crews. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Terry Crews loves it. I love Terry He's Crews. all about it. Terry Crews is fascinating. He's a really good Overwatch player. He's great. He, um, he, does this, uh, he does his live streams on, on Facebook. And uh, he was basically asking the community like advice on how to like build a PC because he wanted to build his own PC. And like every now and then, like whilst he's live, like building this PC in front of this live audience, like his mother is screaming from the other room, and then he screams back and then goes, <laughs> "Sorry about that," and then carries on making it. And like, oh, it's just so funny. It's good stuff. I recommend checking that out if you like Terry. I, I kind of love celebrities live streaming just incidental bits of their life these days. I spent a ridiculous amount of time the other day watching Becky Lynch of the WWE trying and failing to open a can of pineapple. Okay. It was really compelling. <laughs> <laughs> if you say so. So anything else to catch us up on there, Jack? Who, me? Yes, you. No, I've just been blowing fools up. That seems like a good way to spend your time. Oh, indeed. Who wants to go next? Uh, Irish, what have you been doing for seven months? Me? Uh, I've been... Well, I work Christmas toy retail, so I was very busy from about August through to last week. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I, I've, I've been yeah. super busy with work. Like, crazy busy. But now yeah. it's finally... They're all back to school, all that kind of stuff. It's just died off now. It's great. Chill. I'm curious, as it's a world I am now so disconnected from, what was this year's must-have toy? Right, um... Because I remember last year you introduced us all to the little tiny rubber band nonsense. Oh, for taking people's eyes out. Ah, the loom bands. Yes. Um, this year the top toy for Christmas was the Hatchimal, which is... Tell me more! The (laughs) The Hatchimal, basically, take a Furby and put it into an egg. Okay, I've got a Furby. Let me find an egg. <laughs> uh, that's it. It basically it was an, it's an animatronic pet, which comes in an egg, and you have to hatch it. And by that, I mean you literally have to spend at least up to an hour petting and looking and stroking an egg until it's ready to hatch. And then, <laughs> yeah, seriously. And then the toy inside will hatch out of the egg. And then it's my God. Yeah. I could never, I could never go back to being young because I'm just hearing stroking, <laughs> I'm hearing stroking toy and egg, and it's just, <laughs> like, oh man! But also, I'm hearing this and just going, if it comes out of there and it says "me tattletail, me love you," I'm gonna be fucking terrified. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that they were the type of toy where we had the initial batch, and then every other one after that was a pre-order. Yeah, we didn't have any for general sale. Sounds a lot safer than the tiny rubber bands. Yeah. Unless you get it in uh, your eye. The other big thing 
was the uh, Nintendo Mini Classic NES. Oh yeah, now yeah, that that's a toy for children, young and old. Mm. We had almost seven thousand pre-orders as a company, and I imagine a, a stock of about five. No, no, we fulfilled all the pre-orders. Oh Jesus, well done! But there were very little for actual sale afterwards. And Irish, so I think that's really handy because as we seem to be segueing from what we've been doing in these seven months, quite professionally, I might add. Um, what is everyone's opinion on the recent announcement from Nintendo? I'm getting one. You're getting Switch? Yeah, be it, be it release date or not, but it's the... Uh, unfortunately for me, on that regard, it's released on the 3rd of March. Yeah, I was going to say it's March, that, isn't it? It's really yes, close. That's uh, two days after Evie's birthday. And it's the day yeah. of Manami. Uh, it, it's the weekend of Manami, yes. Yeah. Uh, it is also Jen's birthday at the end of the month, and yep. Jen's also going on a school trip. So it's kind of like, uh, hmm, I can't really justify spending £280 on myself for that one, unless I decide to sell some stuff. Hmm. The thing is, right, and fans of other Simply Syndicated podcasts might be interested to know that I made a return after a long absence to Tech It or Leave It over the weekend hey. to talk about my response to the Switch. Oh, okay. Simon, what was your response to the Switch? <laughs> uh, basically, it leaves me pretty cold, um, but at least part of that is because I have a Wii U, so, you know... Some of the games that are coming for it are games I could play on the Wii U, or indeed, in the case of Mario Kart, have been playing on the Wii U for some time. Yeah. Um, basically, my response was, I'm not getting one in a hurry, because the lineup of games for this year is not going to be strong until summer at the earliest, and more likely closer to Christmas. Mm. Yeah, so I don't think there's a hurry. It's very much the case that the released titles um, are pretty... Or, I mean, Zelda. Yeah, the exception, of course, is if you absolutely must play the Switch version of Breath of the Wild on launch day. And I realise yeah. that that's actually going to carry Nintendo for a long, long time. Yeah. Because that's a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that has got me like that would be the only thing that would make me get. I don't think I will get one personally, but that is one that I would be very interested in. So I, I can see it selling just for that. Oddly, it looks so I have heard from people who I, I trust greatly that uh, the frame rate problems are no better on the Switch in TV mode than they are on the Wii U. So if you have a Wii U, it doesn't sound like there's a compelling reason to get the Switch if you just want Breath of the Wild. Mm. If I'm just going to be using my Nintendo as a means of playing SNES and N64 games, then is it worth just getting a Wii U? It's worth getting neither because the actual library of ROMs that you can get through the virtual console is slim and very expensive. There are, there are other emulation solutions. Okay, fair enough. That answers that question then. I mean, in a, leg get a Raspberry Pi. legal legal way. What the hell is a Raspberry Pi? It's it's a computer on a chip, but there is a downloadable uh, I ended up talking about this on Tech It or Leave It as well because people wanted to know there as well. Uh, basically, it's a sort of computer on a chip that you buy. It's supposed to be educational, but it was mostly bought by nerds like me. And one of the things you can get for it is a sort of preloaded software package called RetroPie that you just put on there and it's full of emulators. And of course, you would only play the ROMs that you have a perfectly legal library of backups well, of yeah. games you well, own. Absolutely. Of course. absolutely. I mean, we're not terrible. Um, uh, but if you have such a library, then that's a really cheap way of getting a thing that you can plug into your TV pretty easily and play. Huh. 
Uh, that sounds alright. Um, anyway, so yeah, the Switch, it looks worth buying, but I'm not sure it's worth buying yet. I want to see what the 2018 games lineup up looks like first. Yeah, I mean, it's always difficult on a console launch anyway. Um, but yeah, but even, like, it is true, it's always difficult, but when I'm looking at this and one of the most compelling offerings is Skyrim, and I'm like, I've, I've played that. Yeah. yeah, that's something that, re- yeah, okay, let's talk about that for a second, because that really... That really confused me. I was like, what? Skyrim came out in 2011. Yeah, it did. Yep, 11, 11, 11. 11, 11, 11. <laughs> yes, it did, 11, 11, 11. You're right. Um, I remember it well. Yeah, it was a good day. Really good day. Like, a long time ago. <laughs> so, like, what's, what's kept them? Well, they couldn't release it on the Switch until now because the Switch didn't exist. Yeah, but why? It's just so confusing. Why has why why has that deal been made? Who's gonna play Skyrim on it? Like, it's it's so confusing. I imagine there is uh, a number of Nintendo uh, people who have not played Skyrim because they have nothing else on which to play it, uh, and have heard a lot about it. And if when they you, get the Switch, will buy it. If you had, if you had wanted to play Skyrim, you would have played it by now. Like, if you on. wanted <laughs> to play Skyrim, you would have played it by now. That is true. However, if you hadn't wanted to, because you are a Nintendo person and buying a gaming PC or an Xbox just to play Skyrim is too much of an investment, but now you can play it on your platform of choice. I reckon there's an audience there. Oh yeah, not a huge one, but enough that they'll make their money back. Because it's not like they're making a new game here. <laughs> That's true. That is very true. That's a good point. It is a good money saver. Put it that way. I just was a bit baffled by that. That's all. Like of all the things, I was like, and Skyrim. <laughs> you I'm know? more baffled by Minecraft because there is no one who is saying I wanted to play Minecraft, but I haven't had the opportunity yet. Yeah, I've got I think three different versions of it. It's because it, it's because it's Minecraft. They'll just put it on anything. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very, I mean, I've got, you can have Minecraft on your phone, on your washing machine. I'm tying it into episode two where we talked about Doom. Does no one remember that? Did I just make a really, oh, okay, yeah, I cool, do. Cool. Okay, good. <laughs> I went really quiet and I was like, wait, did I misremember something? No, 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 you remembered fine. Episode five. Episode five. Wow. Hey, you know all of our, like, episode numbers, you fucking nerd. <laughs> hey, everyone, look at the, look at this nerd. Uh, yeah. I thought Doom was four. No, you might be right. <laughs> hey, everyone, look at this nerd. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let's look at this nerd for a while. Rob, you had games you wanted to talk about, I know that. Yeah, well, like, they're not, like, massively recent games, but, like, I've been playing a few, so... Don't okay. worry, we've got a seven-month window to cover. So, I did a Dark Souls episode, like, uh, a few episodes ago, but obviously a long time ago at the same time. <laughs> um, uh, I finally got around to playing Dark Souls 3, which is uh, a joy. It is a return to form, like I suspected it might be. Um, it's just really wicked, really compelling. It's got um, it's got a bit more of a story this time, guys. <laughs> you, uh, It has plot. Yeah, that's it. Like, not, not too much, but there's enough me to actually know what are your standard dark souls yeah like again it is vague like but i actually know that i'm supposed to be finding the ember ember lords i think they're called um uh so i actually know that there's you know that going on for me again i know jack wouldn't like let me get away with this but i will say it's really hard uh that's all right i agree with you 
<laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a difficult it's a difficult game yeah um so yeah that's one i've been checking out which has been really fun i've only just started it though so um it's uh it's been you know that's been occupying my time the uh the one that i have been playing most of however and i don't know if you guys are fans of this series i say series there's only been two i've been playing dishonored 2 have you guys ever played dishonored at all uh, I, I played number one. Yeah, I played the first Dishonored for a short while, and I just I couldn't really I didn't really get on with the control system. I just something about it just felt very impenetrable to me. I don't know what it was. I played Dishonored. Uh, haven't played Dishonored two yet, uh, largely because it came out at around about the same time as Watch Dogs two, mm. and because I've always really loved the concept of Watch Dogs, but hated the first game. Yeah. I really wanted Watch Dogs 2 to be better, so I, I took a gamble and went with Watch Dogs 2, and I'm not disappointed. Oh, okay. Dishonored 2 is on my list of games I will pick up in a Steam sale soon, like at my first opportunity, but Watch Dogs 2 is great. Th- that's fair. Okay, well, in that case, Simon, because I would, I would like to hear about Watch Dogs 2, but let me, let me sell you on Dishonored 2, because there's one level I think that you personally would really like. Um... So it is kind of much the same in terms of like driving force of the first one. You you have uh, been dishonored in, in a sense, and uh, you can now either play one or two characters, uh, either uh, Emily, who is the uh, the right uh, the the true heir to the throne of Dunwall, or you play as Corvo Atano, who is the protagonist from the first one, and each get their separate sort of powers from the void. Uh, and can... just to clarify, because this is something that's been bugging me, Emily is the girl from the first one as well, yeah? That's correct, yes. Yep. Yeah, um, and she's badass. She's got some really cool powers of her own now. Um, to 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 say my favourite one of her powers, I mean, I'm not going to go into the story reasons why they have powers. You should check it out, because one of its strengths, the Dishonored Universe's strength is its world building. Like, it's got a really, really strong kind of uh, identity, I feel. Um, but one of her powers is uh, this thing uh, called, I think it's called Link. Um, but you can stealth around the map, and you can basically cast this Link power on people. And you can do it up to four people, I think. But the thing is, whatever affects one person will affect whoever else has been linked. So if you end up throwing someone over the edge of a building, then everyone else will be dragged after them. Or if you shoot one one of the person in the head, they'll all get the same injury and stuff. So that's a good laugh. But the levels are really well thought out, like um better than the first one I'd say. The controls are a lot slicker as well, which I think is probably like you said, Jack, was one of your issues about the first one. You can execute a like a, a diving assassination much easier, that sort of thing. Ah, good, good. Yeah, but the the levels are great. There's one called the Clockwork Mansion, which is a um, a level where you have to utilize an awful lot of logic and and clever thinking to get around this thing because all the walls move and it's actually two mansions. That's the funny thing. Like, and it sort of trans transforms from one to the other. And there's also a level where you get a device that allows you to travel through time. You can go back and forth through time to two different time states in the same level. Um, which is great for puzzle solving, for one thing. Like, you see a statue is blocking your way in the future. So you go back into the past and find a way to destroy the statue to so that it could have never been put in your way in the first place. That kind of thinking. 
Okay, um, yeah, that's a that, that's a mechanic I've seen before, but it's one I really like when it's done well. Yeah, that's, yeah and it is yeah. done well, and absolutely, it's not new. Like I think Bioshock have done things like that before. Um, but another neat thing is that this device, you have this window where you can, uh, and this is one of my favorite things, you can be in your time zone and look through that window into the other time zone. So you can see a whole bunch of enemies coming, jump back into the past, run down the corridor, look through the window to see when they're in the right position, go back into the future so you're behind them and start taking them out and then reversing time and stuff. It is it is a joy, and it's because of little flourishes like that that make the game better than the first one, I think. So it um, makes time somewhere you can hide for stealth. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty neat. It is really cool. Did you see the comment I left on one of your videos? Uh, on one of my videos? Mm-hmm. No, I didn't. Did you leave yeah, a comment on my I videos? I left a comment on one of your videos, and it was basically on Which the Which video was it? Uh, I think you were cool, though, and you were just massacring a load of people. <laughs> yes. And my response... every now and then I like massacring yeah. people in the game. And, it's fun. And my, my response is basically, ah, going for the stealth route, I see. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the good thing. I mean, your actions are actually... It's one of those games where the, it does actually have an effect on what... Your actions have an effect on the the story, essentially. So if you go around murdering people, it will cause there to be more chaos in the world and... Yeah, you don't get such an optimistic ending, shall we say. Um, but it is great teleporting around, stopping time, like massacring hundreds of people as they're trying to kill you. Or you can go the ghost route and, uh, you know, not let anyone see you at all and non-lethally take out your targets. That was the issue so I, I had. It. That was the issue I had with the first one, though. It was, I found it really difficult to keep it stealthy as Corvo. Ah, interesting. So maybe in two with Emily it's easier because she's more of a stealth build isn't she i think she has a bit more stealth but i mean corvo has the great thing of whenever you teleport it freezes time so you in See, the I don't know. emily okay. was actually more geared towards a chaos build and i think link was one of the reasons that argument was made. <laughs> that, that's very true in fairness because you will if you kill end up killing one of them then yeah they'll all die so that's true i think they both have their their um the option to be both you know as good as stealth and uh, assault. Um, my favourite racing that I've ever got was actually um, non-lethal assault, and when it was, I was just running around grabbing people by the neck and throwing them through cabinets and things. So you weren't killing them, but you were doing it in a very loud and violent way. So that was good fun. Um, but yeah, highly recommend it, and definitely, yeah, if it's in the if, if it's in a sale, Simon, then then go ahead. But um, oh yeah, it's on my list. Uh, yeah. I definitely want to play it because I did enjoy the first one. Uh, and one of the things I loved about it, and it sounds like this is still a thing, is it's what I consider to be like the first game's weirdly strength and weakness is the designers are really good at environmental storytelling. Yeah, so definitely. you explore and learn about the world by exploration. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, the game just said, this is your target, so a lot of people didn't explore. So That's a lot true, of people yeah. missed out on how rich that world was. Definitely. I think it's uh, vertically, the design has improved vertically, if you understand my meaning. Like, Oh, I do. Uh, yeah, like, and it was good in the first game. Like you say, you find out lots if you explore, but this one, the there is a lot more to to explore and there's a lot there's a they've taken time to develop more ways that you can go about completing a mission as well like your mission at the beginning might be take this person out but instead it might end up be like oh no actually you can frame them and that's all you need to do like and you work that out by exploring and 
uh, and going up high as well. That was my favorite thing to do is going up high and like soaring down upon my prey. But there we go. Um, but yeah, much, very much recommend that game. But yeah, t- tell me about Watch Dogs, Simon, because uh, I'm, I'm keen to hear because I've heard different things. Okay. Yeah, I've uh, heard a mismatch of things about it, so... Yeah, I'm, so have I. Um, like, the first Watch Dogs, I love the idea of that open-world game where hacking is a core mechanic and yeah, it's definitely. stealthy. But there were a couple of problems with the first game. Uh, firstly, the protagonist was shit. Uh, he was, you know, your gruff 30-something white man out for revenge. Yeah, There's yeah. no personality <laughs> at all. I know what you mean. And every problem in that game was easier to solve by shooting everyone than stealth. Or even hacking. Um, which, you know, was not what I was looking for. If I wanted that, I'd just play GTA. I was going to say, it's basically another GTA clone. Yes, it was a weak GTA clone. I own, um, I own it. I've just never played it. Yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't bother. Um... But I, I loved the concept so much that when Ubisoft were saying, you know, we've taken this on board and they started putting out a lot of uh, trailers and videos showing that this time around the protagonists, um, I mean, there's only one playable character, but the protagonists are a gang of uh, late teens, early 20s, hacker kids in a sort of, they call themselves dead sec. Uh, which was the name of the collective in the first one, but this time it's presenting more as anonymous. Um, they, you know, use masks, do videos, calling out their targets, do a That's lot with cool. graffiti and propaganda. And I was like, the- these characters seem to have individual personalities. That's <laughs> that's already better than the first one. Definitely. So I'll, I'll take a chance. And you start off as a kid called Marcus. And your, your first mission is you're hacking into the CTOS center to erase your own criminal record. And it's like your uh, trial by fire to join DedSec. Afterwards, you you meet up with them and celebrate with a a party on the beach where you get incredibly drunk, throw your phone in the sea, and wake up on a strange woman's floor in your underwear. Uh, So your first mission is to go and buy trousers. And you you walk out... (laughs) Your first mission is to get dressed. Yes. That's it. You're wearing your, your heart boxer shorts and walking through the street and everyone's laughing at you because you're doing the walk of shame. I was like, okay immediately this game has more personality than the first one ever did and as it goes through um the characters are all very distinct very compelling um and i like them all uh there's a a decent representation of autism in one of them because of course the the actual code and database guy is going to be on the spectrum that makes sense yeah um and you've got the sort of propagandist of the group is the girl who is the art student who designs all the graffiti slogans and Wrench is the guy you've probably seen with the mask that has the emoji eyes and he's your technician, he builds all your gear. And your gear is one of the real distinguishing features of Watch Dogs 2 over the first one. You get a little remote-controlled car that can jump and it's got a little manipulator claw to plug in USB things so it can go and do hacks for you that's cool and then you've got a quadcopter that you can fly in and use it to tag the location of enemies you can do a lot of the hacking with uh, that as well um the sort of more remote hacking like uh, tapping their phone um and it can be upgraded to drop uh, flashbangs if you're going non-lethal or explosives if you're going lethal um and like the only gun i've owned throughout the game is an air taser 
so I'm completely non-lethal, and that's viable in this game. Oh, that's cool. See, yeah, it's nice when they've actually put thought into the non-lethal elements of the game. That's good. Yeah, and I rarely even use that. Most of the time it is stealth. It's yeah. I'll hack a nearby crane to put myself on the roof of the building, drop the buggy in through an air vent, and have that find the server and hack it. And it, It's just... It's what I was hoping for from the first one. It's so much yeah. a better game. It's got a real sense of humour. Uh, like, one of the side missions is that you sit down with the rest of the crew to watch the trailer for a film that's coming out by a beloved action star called Cyber Driver. <laughs> Amazing. And it's basically a shitty Hackers meets Night Rider. <laughs> and you all agree, this film looks shit. Um, so DeadSec put out an anonymous call-out video saying, you know, as the makers of Cyber Driver didn't come to us to learn, we will come to you to teach. And you steal the car and joyride it through the city. Incredible. That's really cool. It's, it's so, really fun. To Judas Priest. Sounds a lot yeah. better. It's much, much better. It's a really fun game. Do you know, Simon, if there, there was... Because I know it's it's uh, Ubisoft, isn't it, um, that, that make it. Is it... Um, yep. Do you think it's a different team behind it then? Because that, to me... Because you're right. Like, from what I got from the first Watch Dogs, I didn't play much of it, but it didn't... It seemed void of any personality whatsoever. And from what you've see, said there that's been fixed in abundance. So do you think it's a different team behind it, like within Ubisoft, or...? Uh, I reckon it's got to be, or at least there are people involved in this one that weren't involved in the first one. Yeah, definitely. Oh, interesting. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, this one just drips personality. Okay. There is a point, mm, halfway, two-thirds of the way through the narrative, where there is an event that turns the plot slightly more serious, um, and that takes a little bit of the fun out of it yeah but it's still got character at that point because at least you give a damn about the characters was, by it, this a, point. was it a necessity type plot hmm? was it a necessity type plot device or was it uh, was it thrown in there out of nowhere type situation it's not out of nowhere i mean at some point they had to raise the stakes of the plot because the first part of the storyline is literally the conceit is that deadsec have a phone app right. uh, that um, turns the phone of the person who downloads it into a node on a sort of cluster computer, giving them more computing power. And they're completely upfront about this, but they say, if you download it, you know, you will be the first to learn about all our antics. We put out videos and photos of everything we do. So, you know, join the collective, join us, be one of us, download our app. So the first half of the game is you doing these huge high-publicity pranks up to and including graffitiing uh, the entire edge of the Golden Gate Bridge uh, to get attention <laughs> and get followers. Um, but at some point they had to raise the stakes and there had to be, um, there had to be a end game. So it, it kind of did have to be done, but it takes it, it's no longer just pure fun. At that point, there's yeah. there's drama in there, and it changes the tone. But like I said, you by that point care about the characters, and I love that. Yeah, I think oh, if and, you take um, time to do that, then if you take time to allow the player to invest in a character, then it's okay to do that. I think. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people say that stealing the Night Rider car and racing it around to Judas Priest is their favourite mission in the game. It's not mine. <laughs> uh, my favourite is hacking into Google. Um, oh my god. They call it Noodle in, in the <laughs> game, but um, you uh, pretend to be the bus driver because they have the Noodle bus the same way Google do that drives all the employees in. Uh, one of the members of DedSec happens to have a day job at Google 
and so they get you in as the bus driver and when you turn up it's just it's one of the more political parts of the game but in the right way marcus the protagonist is black and so is the guy who's getting you into google yeah and so when you turn up marcus is like dude i'm scared and it's like why well there's no one else here who looks like us Nah. Yeah, tell me about it. And there's a whole thing about being black working at Google, and it's <laughs> it's kind of cutting and satirical. Yeah. But it's going to be interesting to see how this game uh, ages. Because yeah. like one of the pranks you do is um, stealing a couple of million dollars from... They don't call him Martin Shkreli, but it totally is. <laughs> uh, you know, the farmer bro, the guy who bought out the medica- uh, medication and raised the price Fuck on it. That oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know how he bought the exclusive rights to a Wu Tang album? Yeah. <clears throat> That's the riff in this one, is there's an artist he's trying to negotiate the exclusive rights to, so you make a soundboard of that artist so you can have a fake phone conversation with him arranging the deal, and then you live stream from a camera in his home his reaction as he does the deal, sends you the $2 million, and then you inform him he's been had and set off all the speakers in his apartment playing Ode to Joy as uh, he freaks the fuck out. Oh, that sounds awesome. And then donate the money to Leukemia Research. Yay! Nice. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's a really fun game, but very, very of its time. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. I've been playing a lot of games this year, this past seven months. Go on. Um, I mean, I've played a whole bunch of Lego stuff. I've played a whole bunch of Telltale stuff. Did Telltale Batman get good? Because I didn't enjoy the first episode. Uh, I didn't play too much of that. Pokemon, a lot of Sun and Moon. Jen's played a lot more of that than I have, which was surprising. Oh, yeah, I've been playing that. Mm. How are you finding it? Uh, really enjoying it. Compared, I think... Compared to, X and y, uh, compared to X and Y, it's a bit different. Yeah, I sort of bounced off X and Y. I, I want to go back to them, uh, but... Yeah, this one changed up the formula a little bit, and I think it was just enough to really hook me in, because I've really been enjoying Sun and Moon. Yeah, it's been potentially the most popular game in a long time, because of the new mechanics, the way they've changed, uh, the way there's no gyms, per se, you know, there's, that whole situation has changed. Yeah, the trials are way more fun than gyms. Mm. And then it's like all the little things, such as like the, the Pokepelago, and the, the, yep, that helps. the refresh, all that kind of stuff. And and Mimikyu, Mimikyu, yes, yes, that w- the the weird ghost Pikachu thing. I fucking love Mimikyu. Mm. It's so cute. <laughs> so uh, then, yeah, I got a PS4 for Christmas. I got it early because I got it via work, so it was cheap. Uh, and I've played through all of Infamous Second Son. I 100% of that. It's an Infamous game, and I fucking love that series. I like Infamous too, man. It's it's um. It's a, it's a really good one just to vent on, if you understand what I mean. You yeah, just go around yeah. causing crazy stuff to happen. Was that one of my favourite uh, infamous side bits was the uh, the vampire DLC for two. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. that shit was stupid. It was amazing. I could fly through the skies of a flock of bats. Yeah, it's good. It's good fun. Good fun. Oh, and for some reason, because it because I got turned into a vampire, you get all orange electricity because lol Halloween. <laughs> yeah. yeah I kind of love when a game with its DLC so it's completely opt-in just mm. does something completely off the wall crazy yeah and the Festival of Blood DLC from uh, Infamous 2 was a standalone DLC so you didn't need the, the core game to play it oh even better yeah it's 
you know, if you had the core games, you had access to more abilities and that kind of stuff. But yeah, you didn't need need it to play it. Um, and then, other than that, I've been playing uh, Final Fantasy 15 and Dead Rising 4. I finished. Oh, it's 15. The uh, 15 is the uh, the road trip with the boy band. Yes, it is. Yeah. Can we talk about Final Fantasy 15? Do we I, have to? What I've seen, I'm confused. No, but I'm confused. Tell me. Tell me what what's going on. <laughs> so I've dipped in and out because uh, my flatmate has now completed it. Um, it's uh, just just the worst. <laughs> You see, you say that, but other people have said to me, Hey, Simon, you know how you don't like Final Fantasy? And I'm like, yes. And they said, you should play 15. <laughs> yeah, you might enjoy it, because I like Final Fantasy games up until... 13? Uh, no, 10. I hated 12 as well. Uh, 12, 10, was, pr- 10 okay. was pretty dire. Um, but 9. 9 was, a, 9 was the best. But, oh god, I've never wanted to punch a collection of characters as much as I did with 15. Like seriously, so, they're just. Are you not a fan of new? Oh, <laughs> fucking Ignis in his fucking voice. He sounds. He sounds like. He sounds like a really, really sort of deep southern U.S. guy trying to do an Australian accent. Oh, it's, his voice sounds just so. I've made a new recipe. Like what? What voice are you trying to do? <laughs> and it's just really off-putting. Uh, the main the main character is so unbearably fucking chipper, and and uh, chipper. yeah, and the and the uh, the big guy Ariola's uh, like he is just oh fucking hell. Wait, say that name it's again. Gladiator Ariola Gla- Gladys. He's, he's um Gladys. Yes, <laughs> Gladius. Gla- Gladius. No, it's it's longer than that. I swear it's Ariolas. <laughs> he are there chocobos in it? There, there are, are chocobos, chocobos. Yes, they're huge and terrifying. Because I've got to say, like from all the presentation I've seen, like Final Fantasy has always had that slightly weirdy, cartoony edge with the chocobos and everything. And I was like, this does not look like it fits. Yeah, yeah. And and I want to see chocobos in this ultra real style. That seems they're horrific. huge and terrifying, but like. I th- there's two things I have to sort of look at as a pro and a con to weigh against with Final Fantasy 15, other than the characters are all fucking annoying, and that is right. one: you can at any point in the game, if, when you're driving around in your automobile, just switch the sound, you know, switch the uh, the CD player on and set it to any soundtrack from any Final Fantasy game you want. Holy fuck! I just Google image searched Final Fantasy 15 Chocobos and. That's yeah right, feel. and I'm like, and I'm like, that's that's pretty cool. I can drive around and listen to Final Fantasy music. That that's pretty cool. But on the other hand, you know, the fact that those four characters were picked, and like the fact Final Fantasy usually has a pretty good cast of characters, where some are annoying, some are really interesting, but you at least get some nice interactions between them, and you know, everyone gets their own storyline more or less. The fact that there are only those four. For your your main playable characters, and you're locked into using yeah. them, and that they are all young guys, is really, 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 really a massive detriment to the game. Um, the fact that you know you don't have any female characters to play as because you know it would cause players to to not act naturally, as the the, the creator put it. Wait, oh, have you not what? seen that? 
Let, let me see no. if I can... Uh, you know what, you guys talk amongst yourselves, I will try and see if I can find a, a direct well, quote. Well, I want to ask something. Well, well, Irish, if you have it, perhaps you can answer me this, but I've been told that uh, the Final Fantasy fifteen combat is different to all the other series. Like, it's not turn-based anymore. Yeah. It's like an action game. Yeah. Is that true? Uh, yeah, the way the combat works is you can see the creatures, the monsters stuff on the map, on, you know, yeah. in front of you. And until yeah. they kind of basically see you, they'll leave you alone. Uh, when you go to combat, you don't button mash. You literally just, you hold down the X, you hold down the X button on the Xbox controller. Uh-huh. And Noctis will just keep doing a combo with that uh, whatever weapon you equipped. On the D-pad, you can then switch quick switch between your abilities because Noctis basically has um, it's like a magic armory. Essentially, is his thing. It can access weapons on the fly. So he has hammer space. Kind of thing, yeah, for just weapons. Right, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> and, yeah, so the combat can be, can be really quick and smooth, depending on how you do it. Um, See, that's what I've heard. Like, yeah, it, it, it it's like more of an action game where yeah. you, you still have cooldown on some of your abilities and stuff. Yeah, I yeah. I mean... So you've got, like, a bit of a Dragon Age thing going on as yeah, well. Like, the, the other three characters yeah. are all... AI, they will fight by themselves. You can give them the commands, and get you know, do team up moves, Tactics, and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, See, this is one of the big arguments for people saying this is the one you should play because it's it's not got the JRPG ness. No. Yeah, yeah. Um, the level up system works a lot different as well. Rather than right, uh, you know, going into battle, finish battle, gain experience, level up. In this one, all the experience goes into a pool for that character. And until you go to a campsite or to an inn or something and rest, you don't spend that experience. You don't level up. So, you know, you, and yes, uh, Ignis can make... He's, a, he's, a, he's the chef of the group. He'll cook food. The, the food then has uh, buffs and perks and stuff tied into it. And some of them are experience buffs. So essentially you could get the best food, have the best items equipped that give you more experience. And you could spend some time just grinding battles then go and rest and you will level up exponentially so, ah, uh, a little bit that, sounds, that doesn't sound too bad to me yeah. um, and it's strange, at least at the earlier parts of the game it's when it imposes not so much a restriction but if you try and do it you will be defeated uh, of, right. of um, don't, pl- don't go out at night at, no- at nights in the wilds, demons appear, as they put it, and yeah. they literally just spawn from the darkness. And ah. like one point, I was driving just to another cell, another like a uh, gas station sort of thing, and yeah. I was like, "Oh, it's getting a bit dark. I, I can make it, sort of thing. It'll be fine." I'm in the car, and literally, a iron giant spawned on the road, and it caused my car to stop, like skid to a halt. And they go out, start fighting it. I like instantly got decimated as long as you <laughs> oh, like, that sounds quite cool yeah when you go to a battle you'll get like a, an area with, uh, with the monster at the centre of like yeah. it's field of view essentially and if you can get out sure. of the field of view the battle ends you can get away as with situations of uh, if you were to lose all your health in a fight you don't it's not like instant death you have like a, um, a recovery system so the other players can yeah. revive you or you can revive them vice versa but the longer it takes for them to get to you, the lower your maximum health will become until you next rest. 
Okay. It's one of these incentives to, you know, get out of a fight if you, you can't. Yeah, get out of a fight if you know you can't deal with it, or don't get into a fight if you know you can't deal with it. Come back yeah. later. Um, but then it's one of those of you can, you know, do some grinding, resting, come back, try again. And each, cool. And each character's got their own. It's silly, but they've got their own like individual sort of skill sets. It's strange because like Nox's Nox's thing is fishing. So there's a fishing mini game in it, and it's not a bad mini game actually. And that's his particular skill. You can get, you know, buy more rods, reels, all that kind of stuff as you progress through the game. And as and as you said, Ignis is the chef. He's the chef. So uh, as with him, you can as you gain materials from fighting monsters, like, uh, you know, uh, food products and whatnot, he might think of a new meal uh, meal on the fly. Or the main way to do it is you go to a restaurant or you know a diner or something on the route, and you buy the, the meal there, and then he'll go, I thought of a new recipe. And it'll be something based on what you've just eaten. Um, Gladiolus, that's his name, uh, his thing is survival. And his one levels up via you walking or running around the map rather than driving. Yeah, that's one of the basis of it. And it's a case of, yeah, the more survival parts to it, the better perks you get. <clears throat> and then there's Procto, a Prompto, who, um, his thing is photography. Yeah, I've seen... Um... <laughs> it takes screenshots Basically, and every, supposedly he's taken the photo yeah. essentially like everything's like every sort of like five minutes or so as you progress through a day period to rest he's taking shots some of them can be staged like at one diner uh, drive through diner sort of area there's like um, like the Ronald McDonald's bench statue that you can sit and get a photo taken with it's like that it's a mascot bench so you can sit there if not just to get your photo taken or one of the first ones like that is all of you standing around the car but the rest of them are candid shots taken as you you know running around the field fighting just because I've seen a bit of a meme emerging of people posting those screenshots of like ridiculously intense moments of battles with the sort of why weren't you fucking helping yeah. it's like one I, one I had I was fighting cause there's a, you know there's bounty hunter monster hunter bits of things you do and one of them was this, uh, this big, there's like a big bull with massive horns. And I was fight, obviously I was not just fighting it. And it launched me into the air over, over the top of it. And then when I went to, went and rested, I got the photo. The photos only appear once you rest as well. All those skills only level up as you rest as well. Um, and then when I got the photo, I was looking through it. And there's this great shot of Gladiolus going to take a swing at this monster. And then if you look above the monster, there is my Noctis flying across the sky as he's been launched <laughs> over its head. And you can save, <laughs> and you can, you know, you can save the photos or and upload them or share them to, you know, your Xbox account or to whatever. So you know, it's great. It's it's a little extra bit that adds some fun. And as they level, as his skill levels up, you can unlock stuff like different filters and. Uh, you'll learn skills that you can then use in battle and all that kind of stuff. So there are, you know, more in-game reasons to level up those abilities outside of help Ignis make a new recipe. Right. But yeah, like Jack says, you can, as you're driving around the car, you can pick soundtracks. I mean, when I found out I could do that, I had already had the Far Fantasy 1, 2, 4, 6, 7, uh, and 8 soundtracks, as well as the Final Fantasy 15 soundtrack that comes, you know, the, the normal soundtrack for the game, uh, the anime series 
uh, soundtrack and the CG movie that they did all on there to listen to and it was like wow that is a lot of choice and it's definitely it, it's yeah I can kind of see what your friends are saying Simon it's a final fa- yeah it's a final fantasy worth for you worth having it, a go it's different enough from what's come before yes yeah yeah yeah. yeah, it doesn't have the elements of JRPGs that are so off-putting to me. Yeah. And at the end of the day, sure. even if you play it for, like, one session, let's say, you know, at least you can say you tried, you know, you gave it a go, you can see what, you might be able to see what people are saying, but again, it's still not your thing. Yeah. But then again, I've got people who, again, who are a bit like you, who don't like Final Fantasy, and they've come back and gone, I fucking loved it. It was really one of the best games they've played all year. And... <laughs> On the PlayStation, they're going to be releasing a special uh, VR edition part for it, where you get to play as Prompto. So, the v- so you'd be seeing from his point of view, and his weapons are guns. So using the VR, you'd be able to you know, shoot at the enemies, and then you and also take, take photos. and take the photos. Yes. <laughs> huh. And they're saying, and they've come out with the DLC for the game's going to be where, as you progress through the story, the you know. The three other characters, you know, apart from like your main, apart from Noctis, will disappear for a bit and come back looking different. Be it their clothes are changed, or they, you know, they got like, scars or something like that. And it's a story, and then you get to play that. What you get to play, what happened to them as a DLC content. Hmm. So you'll you'll get to play as the other three guys. That's kind of cool. Yeah, Jack, did you find what you were looking for? I did. I found the the interview with. Uh... Uh, Hajime Tabata, the the director for uh, Final Fantasy XV, when he was asked why the the, the playable cast, or there is only one actually sort of playable character, why why the main cast is all male. And uh, so this is the direct quote. Uh, Speaking honestly, an all-male party feels almost more approachable for players. Even the presence of one female in the group will change their behaviour so that they'll act differently. So to give the most natural feeling, to make them feel sincere and honest, having them all the same gender made sense in that way. Uh, it was the story we wanted to tell and what we wanted to show players. The world might be ready to see the curtain lifted on what boys do when girls aren't around, when they come out of the tent all prim and proper. That's kind of the idea behind it. We think male or female player that everyone will feel a certain connection and bond with the four characters. <laughs> yeah, I do see your point, but... If you strip away the slightly clumsy wording, yeah, it's which, basically admittedly, same, yeah, it's basically the exact same reason that Red Dwarf had an all male cast for so long. Yeah, yeah, because oh, yeah. guys act very differently when it's just guys yeah. than when they're trying to impress a girl. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the the initial part of it may have been it, it's it's the fact that it's uh it feels when he says speaking honestly, an all male party feels almost more approachable for players. That's the bit that I find super awkward. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if that's it, mean that it. doesn't gel with yeah that doesn't gel with the rest of what he says. So it's it's still really kind of awkward and a bit odd, um, and it really left a bad taste in my mouth. So Final Fantasy Fifteen didn't start off on the best footing for me. No, that's fair. Um, and then I just sort of looked at the character designs and went, "Man, these guys are super fucking bland." Uh, and then I heard them talking, and they're really fucking annoying <laughs> to be fair for me it takes quite a lot for a final fantasy character to kind of get me like don't get me wrong like i've liked certain iterations of that series but some of them have just left yeah. me cold so i think it really does oh yeah let it'll be interesting to see is if simon does play it 
and he does like it, and he likes the combat system. That's going to be the same combat system they're putting in the remake of Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, well, there we go. I mean, <laughs> look at it this way. We've got 100 episodes of World 1 Stage 1 now, and it took that long to maybe convince Simon to play, play a Final Fantasy, Fantasy yeah. <laughs> I played some Final Fantasy VII during the run of World 1 Stage 1. <laughs> this is the recurring joke. Seven, 7 is good. 7 is good. Enough to remind me how much I disliked it. <laughs> but, um, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, I also played um, Dead Rising 4 over the holidays. And, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, it was cathartic. It was something I definitely needed after after uh, Christmas retail. You needed some... <laughs> you needed to smash some heads in, right? Let's put it this way. I can actually imagine <laughs> that being the perfect post-Christmas yeah. retail game. Yeah, yeah. in retail as well. Considering yeah. That, yeah, considering it's set Black Friday, <laughs> or like shortly after Black Friday. Yeah, I've heard that. And, That's a, um, it's a clever yeah. clever way to, where, place put, to set that game. Let's put it this way. By the time I finished Chapter 1... I had been playing for 15 hours, <laughs> and my Frank was already, like, level 28. Yes, one of the significant things about this iteration is they've taken out the time limit. Mm-hmm. There are, in the, entire, in the entirety of the game, there is about three or four occasions where you have to get to the thing quick enough out of the entire game, you know? It's not the, you, only, you have three days. But mostly, it's just a zombie-killing sandbox. Yeah. And, um, I will... What did the sandbox ever do to zombie? I will say, <laughs> it's not my favourite. I actually prefer... Oh. I actually prefer 3 over it. Yeah, you're not alone. I've heard a lot of criticism of 4. Some people don't like that the time limit's gone. No, so Some I love, people I love the that. survivors. Survivors, um, yeah. I, the survivors are kind of there, but... Once you save them from whatever peril they're in, they fuck off. And a lot of people are annoyed at... Frank because he's just not Frank. Yeah, it's a different guy voicing him. It's still Frank's personality wise, but I'm yeah. I mean, to I'm be honest, in the way the game ends. That's fair. I mean, I <laughs> I don't know if I speak for many people, but like, I, I don't go wrong. I've I've generally enjoyed the Dead Rising games. Oh yeah, but, I, um, I've enjoyed them. Overall. I've got yeah. I've got to the point where you know the the our world at the moment is just completely saturated by zombies yeah to the point where i'm kind of like i get it you know i've always been at that point (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) that's fair enough um yeah i've heard good things about four uh and i've heard other things about four but i'd still give it a go i think like my favorite thing to do with dead rising is just run around and hit zombies you know so for me probably dead rising four sounds ideal it, I think for other people who are more engaged in the survivors and the and the time limits, then yeah, absolutely. The, the Christmas, Christmas themed combo weapons are <laughs> interesting. See, I always like the combos and stuff and the weapons. There's yeah. stuff like uh, the bauble launcher that shoots Christmas baubles, but they're explosive and they, nah. they explode in a cloud of glitter. There, right. there are the deck the hall gloves, which are basically. Uh, you take MMA gloves plus Christmas bell, and there we go. And everything you hit, there's loud dong, dong, dong. And then when you do like the uh, critical hit move, you launch a sound wave, a shock wave from hitting them together in front of you. 
There's the That's cool. Now there's an electrical uh, Christmas wreath. There's a variety of Santa traps. Yeah, the combo weapons are still great. Still, given that it's getting late and we still have to upload our audio when we're done, I think we should start wrapping up because there's one big topic uh, that we should probably address before we end the episode. We should. Is probably it, it World One Stage One? Yeah, before we end the episode and before we end World One Stage mm. One. Mm. Psych. Not psych. Yeah. Not psych. Not, not psych. Not psych. <laughs> here we the are. opposite of that. Ten years, one hundred episodes. This <laughs> <laughs> is funny it's when you're funny. It. Yeah, it is, uh, and it, it, those are good round numbers. Yeah, and I, I've been thinking a lot in our seven months away from these microphones. Yeah, that World One Stage One. It's not really meeting its remit. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we don't want to. We don't want to. We don't want to skip what we are saying. But what we are saying is, you know, it had a good run. It it had a good run, but you know, it was conceived as a retro gaming podcast, and that topic went away a, a long time ago. And it's it's been veering further and further away from gaming. We've had a lot of gaming talk tonight. But if you look at our episode run, not so much. So, basically, we've been guilty of misrepresentation for quite some time. Yeah. And, We're sorry. <laughs> and amongst the four of us, I, I think we've come to the conclusion it might be time to draw that final curtain on World 1 Stage 1. But that doesn't mean we're going anywhere. Oh, no. Au contraire. Oh, no. <laughs> Jack's already gone. <laughs> He's out the door. <laughs> you see, I think there are still people who listen to this and have a lot of fun, regardless of what we're talking about. And I think we have a lot of fun, regardless of what we're talking about. Yeah, definitely. So, basically, what we're saying is, we're changing our name. That's, that's what's happening. Let's be honest. Uh, it's going to be exactly the same show it is now. Uh, but with a... A more honest title. <laughs> yes. Yes. Very much more. Yes. So, in in honour of our history of World One Stage One, look out for the first episode coming soon of Dangerously Unprepared, the new podcast from <laughs> the Muppets who brought you World One Stage One. <laughs> amazing. Absolutely amazing. And uh, I've I've spoken with Rich. We'll still be on Simply Syndicated. Will be very easy to find. Uh, we'll probably include at least the first episode on exactly the same feed. So if you're subscribed, uh, we'll still be there and tell you where to get more. Nice. So nothing's changing except the name. Fear not. Also, I'll have a new haircut. Um, yeah. Oh, and also Jack will have a new and, haircut. And hopefully, yeah. uh, hopefully we'll be we'll release regular content again. Well, let's not make promises we no, can't keep. Uh, and and we're going to introduce a talking animal sidekick. Let's not make promises. <laughs> okay, let's do that. That's a promise we can keep. <laughs> oh, 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 and uh, and some of the episodes will take place in space. Yeah, and underwater. And there's going to be a time travel arc. Yeah. Yep, and a wedding, and two funerals. And in one episode, get this, this, right, this is a brilliant idea. One of us is going to be water skiing, and <laughs> there's going to be a jump, but... Just after the jump, there's going to be a shark. And you're yeah. going to see us jump the shark. Amazing. <laughs> Some people would say we've done that already. That's not saying me. I think we already did that with Total War. I think we may have. <laughs> oh. oh, good times. So I can no longer say until next time. Because this is...
the end. You have been listening to World One Stage One for possibly for ten fucking years. Why? <laughs> all that time, I have been Simon, and for most of that time, I have been Jack. Eternally and forever, I will and always will be Rob, <laughs> and I will remain Irish. Goodbye. Bye. Toodle. Goodbye.